0: Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. As I evolve and expand as a person and a podcast host, I have learned that creating a safe space is nearly impossible. I don't know what topics or stories may trigger my listeners, but I hold space with love and intention and honour the bravery that it takes not only to share but to listen to the stories of others. So thank you so much for being here. I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging that I am recording from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the interior Salish people, in particular the Sinaiaks, on whose territory I work and live. I've taken the liberty of using this week's release spot to highlight a fantastic conversation that I had with Mary Fashik on The Book Stoop. I've been hosting Rohe Publishing's podcast, The Book Stoop, for a few months now. And wanted to share this particular episode this week, not only because it's fantastic, but because I wanted to highlight this conversation during Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. I'm not going to say too much more so that you can hear the intro for the book stoop. So without further ado, here is Mary's episode of the book stoop. Here we go. Hey friend, I heard you were looking for our spot and I'm here to help you. So you're going to go past the corner bodega and down the block from the Fresh Cuts Barbershop. And there you'll find a brick row house at the intersection of Literature Place and Social Justice Boulevard. That's where you'll find the stoop. Our host, Amanda Lytle, will be there to welcome you to the conversation. The book stoop is the place for the hottest takes on book culture, nerd culture, current events, with best-selling authors, change makers, and risk takers, our favorite kinds of people. I'm Rebecca Baruki, President of Row House Publishing, and this is Season 2 of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Now, I'm going to let you get to Amanda. Thanks, Bex. Hey, friend. Let me be the second to welcome you to our spot, The Book Stoop. I feel incredibly honored to be the host of this podcast, and I'm so grateful to have you here. Today on The Book Stoop, I'm speaking with Mary Faschick. Mary is a Lebanese-born queer disability rights activist, author, public speaker, and workshop facilitator. In 2019, Mary founded Upgrade Accessibility, a movement designed to challenge today's accessibility standards. The movement has grown to include disability rights, intersectionality, disability justice, equity, and unequivocally supports Black Lives Matter and Black Disabled Lives Matter. In the conversation today, Mary shares the backstory to upgrade accessibility and the where and the why to where Mary Mike drops have come from. We hear about why so many disabled people have neglected medical care during the pandemic, as well as some personal experiences of Mary's during the last few years. Mary also tells us about a very exciting project coming up next year with Row House and Wheat Penny Press and why representation is so vital. Before we jump in, I want to invite you to share the bookstoop with your community. If you're loving this episode, grab a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Pub. Every share, five-star rating, and written review helps us find more listeners and climb the charts. So we're super grateful for your help. We start our chats on the bookstoop with a rather fitting question. So what are you reading these days?
1: Well, right now I am busy reading content to help prepare for workshops that I'm doing for businesses, organizations, and nonprofits. I would love to have time to sit down and just pick up a book and read a book, but unfortunately, I don't have time to do that right now. You know what, Mary, though?
0: Knowing that you're reading more stuff to just enhance and increase just the caliber of your workshops, now having sat in on, what, six of them? You are doing incredible work with your workshops. If you want to take that as an invite, I'd love to know, how did even the workshop stuff happen? Or maybe you want to take us right back to the foundations of Upgrade Accessibility.
1: So Upgrade Accessibility, and this is a story that I think I'll be telling for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You always hear celebrities tell these little stories, and you're like, okay, that's interesting, or you're wondering if that's a true story. Well, this is absolutely a true story. This is prior to the pandemic. I was at a local grocery store, and I went to use the restroom. And I'm a wheelchair user, and I went to use the accessible stall. And my armrest of my wheelchair was pressed right up against the door. And as I'm sitting here, I'm wondering, who decided that this is accessible? Who says this is accessible? How can a non-wheelcare user or non-disabled person, because most likely it was a non-disabled person who designed the stall, how did they know that this was accessible? And I came out of a store and I looked at my best friend and I said, accessibility needs an upgrade. And I said, I'm going to start that hashtag, Upgrade Accessibility. So in August of 2018, I started the hashtag. And, you know, I posted a few things. And then my wife got in my way, as life tends to do. And then in December of that year, I had my access needs denied, and it caused me injury. And I took my anger, and I said, I'm going to use this hashtag and make it a movement. And that's exactly what I did. And initially, it was to amplify voices that had not traditionally, conventionally been amplified before. And I would just DM people and say, hey, do you mind answering these questions about your daily life and A lot of accessibility in your life. And I got a lot of no's. I got people who will not respond to my DMs, but I was persistent and that's how it started. And I've grown with my movement. I've learned about disability justice, disability rights, and so, so much more. And the workshops began because I was working for a nonprofit last year in 2020. And as I am one of the only disabled employees, I'm starting to realize the amount of ableism that was in the workforce. I already experienced ableism, but what surprised me about this particular workplace was that they work with disabled individuals on a daily basis. And I'm a disabled employee and I am experiencing ableism and I couldn't wrap my mind around that. And I said, let me come in and like explain to nonprofits who do work with disabled individuals, why their thought process is outdated, why the language they are using is harmful to the people that they are serving. And this is how the workshop began. Mm -hmm. So for anyone
0: listening who may be ableist or ableism is a new term, can you put that into your own
1: words? What does that mean to you? There are many working definitions for, uh, um, regarding ableism. I frame it as systemic discrimination against disabled and chronically ill individuals. And that goes for the government and society. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the government aims to keep the disabled poor and uneducated because if we are impoverished and we are uneducated we cannot fight the system Mm -hmm.
0: that's actually a perfect segue into mary mike drops and i'm going to use that as the segue because a lot of the things that you have come to say and that i've heard in our own conversations but also through the workshops that you've put on for row house is, you know, you and I kind of had this joke about the Mary mic drops. And I was like, man, like Mary, you have so many mic drop things that you say that are so powerful and impactful. And you're like, Amanda, there's a reason that they are short and concise and to the point. So can you speak to that?
1: Of course. So as you said, this was like a joke between you and I. You said, Oh, we need to go ahead marry my jobs, And I said the reason why I speak concisely, even in written words, is because growing up, I was told that no one wanted to hear me speak because of my impaired speech or that no one would listen to me at least not for an extended period of time. So I learned that once I had somebody's attention, I had to hurry up and say what I wanted to say before they stopped listening. Mm -hmm.
0: Even in the posts that you have, I mean, some of these are such powerful takeaways. How has the response been for people either in your community or that are just coming onto your page or people that you know?
1: Um, So I get a mixed reaction, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people do not necessarily agree with my format and often ask me why do I not address certain aspects of what I'm talking about. But then the positive response is thank you for taking something so complex and making it to where I can understand it, where other people can understand it. And as you know, we live in a society where people want a soundbite. And that goes for written words as well. They want a soundbite. So I'm going to give them that sound bite that they're going to remember. They may not remember word for word, but they're gonna remember the idea. hmm
0: That makes me interested in what your favorite area is to educate about. Like do you have a specific thing that you just love to drive home?
1: Um, I think it really can get depending on what my community is experiencing Mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. So for the past almost two years now, it's been the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the biggest thing I talk about that gets the most reaction, the most response, is what disabled and chronically ill individuals have experienced, myself included, in the past almost two years. As you know, except for doctor's appointments, I have not left my house since March of 2020. That takes a physical, emotional, and mental impact on the individual. Mm -hmm. So many in my community, myself included, have neglected medical care for ourselves, because if we seek out either routine or emergency care, it could put our lives in danger. Mm -hmm.
0: Can you elaborate a bit on that? Because I know the story, but anyone listening might not understand exactly what it is you're up against.
1: So I can only speak for myself. I am only speaking for myself, which is a criticism, as you know, that I get very often. I'm trying to speak for the entire community. I'm not, I'm trying to represent my community, which is different than speaking for them. I am speaking to my personal experience. I am highly immunocompromised. I have had pneumonia five or six times in my lifetime. Not the last time I had it, but the time prior to that, my doctor neglected my pneumonia to the point that I now have scarring on my lungs from that bout of pneumonia. What do most people catch when they have COVID? Pneumonia, of course not everyone, But the biggest thing is pneumonia. So if I caught COVID pneumonia, which is so much worse than quote-unquote regular pneumonia, it could be fatal. It could kill me. My life is really in danger with COVID. And I'm not saying that for attention. I'm not saying that to be over That is absolutely the case. And to further support that, my primary doctor refused to give me antibiotics in July for a sinus infection because they did not want to lower my already compromised immune system to where I could, if I caught COVID, I would not be able to fight of COVID. Mm -hmm.
0: I remember something that you said in the workshop about how the neglect from the medical practitioners and healthcare providers almost killed you and has almost killed you in the past and I you know we've had discussions at length about me being in Canada and you being in the states and me being non-disabled and you being disabled and I'm white and you're a Lebanese woman and 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 you know that there aren't many parallels But when it comes to the heart space and me sinking into like, my heart just aches for you. So can you share a bit about that, just that experience? Because I remember just our own conversations at length about this, where when you, when you share that, and even as you did in the workshop, that that in itself is such a powerful takeaway to sit with.
1: So I'm currently working on um, an Instagram post that talks about how being disabled and chronically ill is difficult. And yes, that's partially because of the physical toll it takes on my body, but also because of the ableism Mm -hmm. and mainly because of the ableism and the ableism being that non-disabled individuals do not understand the scope of what that means Mm -hmm. to be disabled, immunocompromised, chronically ill, they do not understand. And I've been told so many times, well, why don't you just do what? Why don't you just take this pill, eat more fruit, do this, do that? And no one understands the complexities of my body, not even doctors understand the complexities of my body. Why am I losing weight and why am I losing weight only around my waist and not my entire body? I don't know how sick I am currently because I do not have the medical care that I need, because I live in a small town where there is one rheumatologist, there is one this, one that. There are no options. Getting a second opinion is a privilege. And getting adequate medical care, notice I didn't even say good medical care. I adequate medical care, is a poor mm-hmm. at that, mm-hmm. and
0: when you said about the second opinion being hours away, you know, and then that is another hurdle. Like, why, why is that there? Well, we know why it's there, but that's another thing that you would have to take on in order to seek that. So
1: it would be, and guess the toll it would take on my mm-hmm. body either to drive or be a passenger mm-hmm. for two plus hours up to four hours away one way Mm -hmm. it would mainly do more harm than good to my body Mm -hmm. i would need a week to recover from one doctor's
0: visit Mm -hmm. yeah all for a second opinion because you've been denied access to one of the physicians that's local which is heartbreaking Okay, this is actually not that this is a perfect segue, but I think that this is a great opportunity to segue into an upcoming project. And before we get too excited about it, I'll tell you why this is a perfect segue. Because the conversations that we have, the workshops that you put on, your merry mic drops, your Twitter posts, everything that you're doing online is so geared towards educating, awareness, advocacy, activism, like all of these things that are disrupting and creating change. And now, we have the opportunity to talk about a very special upcoming project, which you are going to take it away for us, because this is big news.
1: I am so excited to announce that in 2023, Row House Publishing and Week Penny Press will be publishing my first children's book. Yes!
0: Well, tell me about it. So what's it going to have in it? What's it going to be about?
1: I'm so excited because I have had this idea for years Mm -hmm. to the point where when I had the initial idea, I remember I went up to a lady I saw in Walmart with her young kids and I said to her, excuse me, ma'am, I'm thinking about writing a kickbook. book. And I was wanting to know, can I talk to you kids and ask them what do they want to know about this disability? And like, when they see me, what questions do they have? So this was like seven or eight years ago. So this idea has been blooming for mm-hmm. that long. And the, I, the story is going to be about a little girl who is new. It's like the beginning of a school year, and she's new at the school, and she's disabled. She's a wheelchair user, like myself, and she's going to have cerebral palsy because I want to speak to the disability that I know Mm -hmm. and not something I don't know. Mm -hmm. So she's going to have cerebral palsy. She's going to have impaired speech because this is vital. Representation is vital. I can't imagine what I would have garnered as a little girl, thinking away as a little girl if I saw a book about a brown little girl mm-hmm. in a wheelchair who had impaired speech. That would have empowered me So much. And we don't see characters in books that have impaired speech. And in movies, it's only so they can be made fun of. So this little girl is new in her school, and she befriends a non disabled girl. We become really good friends. And the non disabled girl is having a birthday party and wants to invite the main character but their house is not accessible. And then it becomes the conversation with her parents about how to make this birthday party accessible for her Mm friends. And the parent builds a ramp to their house so that her friend can get in the house. And also they talk about making the party games accessible, making sure that the table is not too high. All of these things that I didn't get when I was a little girl because I didn't get to go to a lot of parties for that very reason. And at the very end, just a little sneak peek, at the very end, it's going to be, the overall message is that accessibility is for everyone, Mm -hmm. everyone disabled and not benefits from accessibility. I can't stop smiling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You must be so excited. I am, I'm
1: nervous. Um, Yeah, of course you are, that's okay. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited, I wanna see, like this is huge and Mm. also, speaking of accessibility Mm -hmm. the best thing to come out of this book is how accessible this book is going to be Mm -hmm. i don't know if you heard but we are going to put image descriptions on the illustrations for children who are low vision or blind and not just for children and adults who are will and blind. How many of us, when we read books to kids, we describe the picture? Mm-hmm. Well, now it will be on the page. That's incredible.
0: This is a game-changing book already, and it hasn't come out. And when it does, this is going to be a massive educational tool. But now I'm actually curious
1: about Braille. Will there be Braille as well? We are booking into that. I really want this book to be in braille as well. Mm-hmm. Wow,
0: Mary! I'm also so excited that I get to witness this journey.
1: I wasn't, I wasn't going to do this if it wasn't going to represent me and my community in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And Rohawk and Wheat Penny Park are giving me the opportunity to do that. hmm Oh, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now I want to come
0: back to something that you've just said about accessibility is for everyone. In some of the workshops that we've done together, we've talked a lot about this, about Bex, you know, and she calls herself neuritis and about how she watches TV with subtitles or, you know, other people may choose to watch something in mute and require image descriptions or uh, the alt text as readers. So can you speak a little bit about the importance of creating you know, if you're saying that you're intentionally doing something to actually follow through and how social media is so inaccessible at this point?
1: So there's a lot of discussion about accessible social media. And I've always said that if businesses and organizations realize that disabled individuals are viable consumers, that they would make their content accessible. But we are not seen as viable consumers so they don't bother. And the average person doesn't see the importance of doing image descriptions or they think, oh, this is hard, this takes too long. But at the same time, they're saying, oh, I'm on a Anti-racist, journey. I'm, 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 you know, abolitionist. But you're not. You're not because you're excluding one of the largest, or not one of the largest minority group in the world, which is disabled and concrete and individuals. We make up a quarter of the world's population and you're ignoring us because you see us as burdens or as an inconvenience, and we're not. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why social media should not be made accessible and that you should not take the extra few minutes to write an image description to caption your videos. That is the number one thing, caption your videos and write in my descriptions, but I do wanna speak to a point that has come up within my community. Many times, those of us who are chronically ill do not have the ability or the energy to make content accessible. We are speaking to those who are non-disabled because if more people did it, then you won't be well, You don't do it. If I'm not capable of doing it, there's a reason. But if you're not doing it, it's probably just because you don't want to. Mm. You're making up excuses.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. I want to come back to one more thing that you've said here about captions, because this was a huge thing for me to learn. And it was all because. I didn't realize that there was the captions available. So as my own personal experience, I had taken an accessibility workshop, like, I don't know, it was the second half of 2020. And I had taken this workshop and it was really great. And I'd taken away some image descriptions and alt text stuff and captions and whatever, but I had been typing out my captions. And then a girlfriend of mine was like, Mandy, you don't have to actually type those out. There's a captions thing. Well then of course, which I can admit to now is that the ease of that just far exceeded just what I was putting into the effort. So I thought, well, I love this. This is great. And that's what I stuck to. So one of my biggest takeaways of something that is easy enough for me to do and why it actually matters is that I already know that I speak quickly is when the captions come up on the screen and they are auto-generated is that they are not accessible because they're too quick. Whereas if it's been physically typed up on the screen, someone can hold their thumb on the screen and they can read it in time, you know, and that it allows someone to process the content. And I remember that even in your workshop, just being one of those takeaway moments that it is so easy for me to do. Why am I not doing that? So thank you. I I have so many thank yous for you always. I just remember that was just, if you're gonna try something
1: to do better, that is such an easy place to start. So I'm going to give you a mic drop moment because I know how much you love this. (laughs) So I'm going to give you one. Yes. So two things that I always say. One, not all representation is good representation. Mm -hmm. And two, not all accessibility is actually accessible. Hmm. So the auto-generated captions, that come up as you speak. They seem to be accessible. Oh, well, I captured my video. Yes, you did, but it's not accessible because anyone, will not just a the individual, but most people speak a lot quicker than people read. Mm-hmm. So you are having to keep up on the screen with how fast the person is speaking. And then you have to go back and watch it again. And captions, if you're a mom and you're trying to put your child down for a nap and you wanna watch somebody's story, captions help you. Mm -hmm. Accessibility is for everyone. Mm -hmm. It works for everyone. Everyone benefits. From accessibility, but again, not all accessibility features are truly
0: accessible. Mm. Mary, I want to be mindful of your time, so I've got one more thing for you here. If you were to give a shout out to an account, a person, an organization, a disruptor, activist, or change agent, who would it be?
1: Absolutely. I want to shout out Kakonia Boys. Kakalina Bliss is a Latina disabled ballet teacher. Kakalina is amazing. She offers adaptive ballet classes. I took her class this summer. She offered an adaptive ballet class for Camp Access, which is a virtual camp that I started online last here, for disabled and chronically ill adults. Kekalina came in this summer and gave Camp Access the best adaptive ballet cross. She adapted in the moment. If there was something one of us could not do, she said, try this. let will change it up. Kekalina has faced ableism and racism and has not been able to be hired full time as a ballet teacher like she deserves. She's currently offering classes on Patreon. The link is in her bio. Um, And she offers not just adaptive ballet classes for disabled individuals, she offers ballet for everyone. And she also is big in disability justice. She and I have had many talks about disability justice and how ableist and racist the dance world and the ballet world is. I highly recommend following her and signing up for her Patreon, Classics for All Ages. And who doesn't want to take a really cool ballet class. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And I'm not one for ballet or yoga or anything like that. Zumba is more my pace. But I love her class. It was amazing. Mary, That,
0: what a conversation. Thank you so much for everything that you've offered here. Thank you for pointing us in the direction. I, I'm totally going to check this out right now. Thank you so much for being a guest on The bookstu.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Maya. It was a pleasure, like always. Thank you
0: so much for being with us. Please be sure to follow us on your podcast app and leave a rating where you're able. Written reviews help us reach more listeners, too. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and share the book stoop with your community. Talk soon.